So since we're in that mode, and it is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for? Forgiveness. That is a good thing. For life, for everything. If it cuts me short, y'all will be thankful. How's that? Exactly. Well, I heard a couple others besides that. So many blessings indeed. Grandchildren, yes. Okay. What's that? We are children of the Lord. What else you got? Hope. This, okay, church, here, whatever this is. Sobriety. Overcoming addiction. God uh, delivering us from those things. Are, that's awesome. What else? The USA. What else? Go ahead, Rosie. All right, amen. Anybody thankful for family? I thought you'd lead with that. But okay. We're in church. You got to give the church aunt. No, I'm just kidding. For church family. Thankful for living in the keys, maybe? Voila. That's God. Lots of things to be thankful for, yes? You know what I'm thankful for? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Anybody else? Any other Chick-fil-A fans here? What is it about that doggone chicken sandwich? Does anybody not like Chick-fil-A? We'll pause for a moment of prayer. No, there's one. Anybody never had Chick-fil-A? Really? Wow. Road trip. You know, I don't know, but I do know that when Caroline was looking at colleges, I think one of the things that swayed us was when there was a Chick-fil-A on campus. <laughs> Not really, but that was good. I don't know what it is. What, what's their slogan? We didn't invent the chicken, just the chicken sandwich. Yeah, go cows, right? <laughs> Creative marketing. It's the it's the pickle, isn't it? It's the pre, uh, is it pressure fried in peanut oil chicken breast with one pickle. Am I right, or am I right? It is wonderful. I think so. Okay, shall we pray? <laughs> oh wait, they're not open. It's Sunday. That's the worst feeling in the world, isn't it? You pull in, you're like, oh, Chick-fil-A. I've actually sat at the drive-thru window going, wow, they must be busy inside, even though there's no cars in the parking lot on Sunday. Or actually, you pull in and you don't see the cars. I I don't know what it is. There's something about Chick-fil-A. Now, I'm sure you all have your, your things you like, and 
if you if you use social media, maybe you're you're out there putting those those things forward. You know, whether, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a place of business, it's amazing. You, you dare I say, evangelize for all these things. We we want to tell people about the things that that we enjoy, whether it's it's a good meal, whether it's good service, whether it's a good product. We are are quick to to talk to other people about those things, and and what are, what we've started talking about over the last few weeks is the fact that God has given us the privilege of sharing his goodness with our world. We started several weeks ago looking at the bigness of God by looking at the size of our universe, by looking through the Hubble Space Telescope and some other pictures to see our our massive universe was spoken into existence by God. He measures it with the span of his hand. And yet in Scripture it says, Who is man that you are mindful of him? And we learn that as great and as awesome and as incredible as our God is, he still cares for us as small and insignificant as we are. And we thought about that and and we understood the privilege and we we celebrated, if you remember, communion together to to remember how how great was God's love, how high above the heavens is his love for us. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked about what it means to carry that message in our little neck of the woods. We talked about Key Largo and the 13 or so thousand people. If you're from Key Largo, that's you. If not, wherever you are, whatever that, that radius is that God has placed you um, with, the, with the unique privilege of sharing his love. And then last week we talked about a wonderful word in Scripture, whatever. Again, not like your teenager says it. It's a different whatever. But the whatever you do. You know, when you think about evangelism when you think about sharing god's love a lot of times we programize it 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 has to be prepackaged and put together and we're we're trained certain ways to do it but we said last week god has uniquely gifted you put you together in such a way that whatever it is you do you can do it in the name of the lord jesus and somehow reflect and bring glory to our great god whatever it is and and we even talked about uh tuesday being a very ordinary day that could be transformed when we open our eyes to the fact wherever we are and whatever we're doing even on a tuesday god can use you to make his name known and so today we're going to keep in that vein and 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 push that forward a little bit further to see that we have that wonderful privilege of being whatever but maybe today we'll talk a little bit about wherever you know, we're right around the corner in, in Southern Baptist life from the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Right, Diane? Oh, thumbs up. Whew. Got it right. Lottie Moon, that's not a coffee drink you buy at Starbucks. Lottie Moon was a missionary to China. And uh, years ago, she's kind of the one that every December around Christmas time, we celebrate as Southern Baptist and we collect an offering to go to international missions. And we, we learned during the week of prayer, which is coming up. I know I maybe should do this next week, but sorry. You're going to talk about it later. I beat you to it. I win. Um, not that it's a competition. But, but we'll talk about our week of prayer, and, and we'll highlight missionaries that are in different parts of the world. And when we think about missionaries, the thing that I always remember growing up, and maybe you're the same way even as I, as I grew up, when you hear about these missionaries that go to some of the the most obscure places or even some of the more dangerous places where they are literally risking their lives 
to share the good news about Jesus. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. There, there are even some that when we hear about during the week of prayer or other times through our convention literature, they don't tell us their real name because they can't publicize who they are and where exactly they are because if that information got out, you know, you watch the news, you know our world is a crazy place these days. Things happen. Uh, Christians are sometimes persecuted or even killed for their faith. And we have missionaries that, that are offering support that are in those situations. And, and, and we, we hold those folks up, and rightfully so, as, as sort of heroes of the faith. That, that there's something about it. And I don't know about you, but when I was younger and I thought about that, one of the things I worried about was that God was going to call me to missions because then he'd send me someplace I didn't want to be. And for some reason, I don't know where this phrase came from, but it's a phrase I've heard. We talk about deepest, darkest Africa. Why? It's like that, that's, you know, way out there, away from all the stuff, the modern conveniences in, in very primitive maybe situations on the edge of, of those places. And, and sort of like, I don't know if I want to say, okay, God, whatever, because what if he sent me to a place I didn't want to go? Wouldn't that be bad? As if God put you together and gave you skills and gave you abilities and gave you passions and gave you interests to then say, ha ha, that was all a joke. I'm not going to use those. I'm going to uproot you from the stuff and the place you really like and put you over here where you'll be miserable. Ha ha ha, because I'm God. And a lot of people view God a little bit that way. And maybe we if we are a little bit honest about our own way of thinking, we think God is a little bit like that. Like, God, if I like something too much, you're going to take it away from me. If I really want to do something, God, I, I, I shouldn't do that. I should do something else. Like, like somehow there's greater value in being a missionary or going to those places than there is. But what I think we find throughout God's wisdom and his plan is that God not only uniquely crafted you but sovereignly placed you where you are with those gifts with those abilities with the access to people and places you have because you are able in that place in that circumstance to glorify him Whatever you do, we said last week, and a little bit today, we might even say, wherever you go, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 19, uh, kind of gives us an idea. We're not going to camp out here, just going to read it real quick. The, the, the end of Isaiah's uh, prophetic book, almost to the very end, in verse 19, he says this, I will set a sign among them, and I will send some of those who survive to the nations, and then he lists some of the nations, and to the distant islands. So this is that missionary thing. Why is he sending them? That have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. There it is. There's that sort of, hey, that's the the goal. And and we'll talk about that these next weeks. And we'll pray for these missionaries. And we'll support them. And even in January, we have an IMB missionary coming. I I forget where exactly the Smith family is going to be with us for a week to tell us about their ministry. And we'll see kind of up close and personal, that, that there are people doing this on those places. But that isn't the only place. That's not the only where you can go. Wherever you are, God 
can use you for his glory. A couple more passages. So, uh, Romans chapter 15. Spend a few minutes here. Romans 15 verses 5 and 6. The, ver- the verses will come up there like the last one did. Paul has written. If you've been coming on Wednesday night, you know we've meandered. That's fair to say through the book of Romans. And as we get toward the end of it, as Paul's given us chapters and chapters of, of theology and, and this picture of the goodness and the grace and the salvation of God, as he's coming toward the end and wrapping things up in chapter 15, he says in verse 5 and 6, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Now let's stop right there for a second. What does God give us? He gives us endurance. Anybody need some endurance? Sometimes you just need a little endurance. Is life hard sometimes? Ever have any difficulty? No? Awesome. You can ignore this part then. Of course we do. Life is hard. I think there's an old song, Life is Hard, but God is Good. Of course, there's another song that's God is Great and that fermented beverage is good and people are crazy. That's another song for another sermon for another day, but nonetheless, we'll go with Life is hard, but God is good. And, and we see that sometimes we need his endurance because we're dealing with stuff that's, that's difficult. It's hard for us. We can't think of how we're going to last, how we're going to make it through this. We don't even see much light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. We need God to give us endurance. And the second thing he says, he gives us encouragement. The book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some people are in the habit of doing but instead encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching the day being uh, we might say the day of judgment or the great and terrible day of the lord to use the old testament phrasing and so one of the reasons we get together in this thing we call church is to encourage one another and god has in his wisdom given us that that we need others we need the gift of encouragement from people, A, who maybe have been there, done that, and survived, and while we're enduring, can look at us and say, hey, listen, let me tell you, there is hope, there is light at the end of the tunnel, here's how I got through it, here's how I can support you. Um, Sometimes we just need encouragement to know, because, ever had a bad day? No? You're an awesome crowd. No, of course, don't make me sing the song. had a bad day need to be encouraged sometimes maybe it's just me but coming here and looking at your smiling faces makes me happy and then there are other Sundays (laughs) but there is sometimes about getting together with other believers and I know I live in church world, so it's a little different maybe for me. You guys are out there in the, the muck and mire of the world and the in and out, the day in and day out stuff. And, and so it's nice to kind of come and maybe this place in some ways feels safe compared to other places that you're in. That you know you can uh, kind of rest in your faith because you're in a, a place where other people share the same values. There's encouragement in that. And, and this verse tells us, may God... May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement also give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. Why would he want to do that? The next verse says, so that, 
So here's the reason. So that with one heart, or some translations say with one mind and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's try this. I don't know why, it just seems like a fun idea. All of you have a vocation. Maybe some of you are retired from said vocation. If you haven't gotten into your vocation, maybe you're a student. Student is a vocation. It's like a job, isn't it? Any students here? Just not admitting it. So that's your job. So I want you to think of your vocation in a word. You got that word? You have the word? I mean, that's the whatever we talked about last week. Anybody not have a word? Need a few more seconds? Got a word. Okay, on three. Not four, not seven, but three. I want you to shout out that word, okay? Are you ready? One, two, three. Okay, I know we're Baptists, but maybe you don't understand what shout means. This is not shout. Teacher. I mean, that might be how you feel about your job. But for a minute, like you're really excited about it. Law enforcement. No. I want to hear you. I want to feel in this room your excitement for the whatever of your life, like we talked about last week. Do you understand? Okay, I'm going to count to three. Do I need to count to four? Do you need an extra beat? Let's go to three. I, I trust you on three. One, two, three. That was a little better. I mean, not like I'm at the Miami Dolphins game and they just scored a touchdown. And since they haven't in weeks, it was really exciting. I yelled really loud. I'm a Bucks fan. I can say these things. But it was good. So a lot of you guys are in different places. And because of those places, we've already seen from the previous verse, you need a little encouragement, and sometimes you need a little endurance to deal with that word you just shouted out. Good word, good place, uniquely gifted, used in that way. Okay, here's what we're going to do next. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to shout out the name of our Savior. We all know who that is, right? Jesus, Sunday school answer. Okay. Okay, so on the count of three, shout. One, two, three. I understood you that time. What did that verse say? So that you may be of one heart and one voice. And glorify the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God gives you the whatevers. Puts you in the whatevers of your life. Those different places. The different vocations. Those different hobbies. Those different relationships. Whatever they are. But in that. That isn't the end. Part of the reason you are there. In that business. In that job. In that place. In that relationship. In that neighborhood. In that hobby. In that group is so that somehow you may bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God brings us all together in this thing we call the church, and he has shown us how important we are to him. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is the love of God for us. Who is man that you are mindful of him? He's demonstrated his love through the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. He's called us to take that message wherever we go, 
And one of our responsibilities is to be united around that. Look around the place. Do you see anybody here different than you? Some of you have hair. I'm jealous. You're different than me. Some of you don't. I feel your pain. And the glare. Some of you are taller than others here. Yes? Some of you are faster than others here. And ran a race yesterday to prove it. Some of you are stronger, can lift more, or, or work in manual-type physical labor and have this endurance and strength through that that others don't. We're all different, yes? We are all unique as we... Did we sing last week, you are special, you're the only one, you're the only one like you? We're not going to sing it this week either. I was just curious if we did it last week. Because, you know, Barney and all. We're each unique each different nothing about anyone else in this room of course we have twins here don't we so i gotta watch out at least one set in the room at least one other that has a twin elsewhere looking around i don't know if there are any other twins but for the most part you're unique and yet in our uniqueness God can somehow take us and put us together into a unified whole so that with, as the, the verse said, one mind or one heart and one voice, our uniqueness is expressing itself in the same direction, with the same end, for the same goal, namely the glory of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is one of the things that we all have the privilege of being about. No matter who we are, no matter how we live, no matter what our vocation, no matter what our interests, no matter what our abilities, all of that has in it the possibility that we can glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not what we do, we said last week, but the purpose for which we do it. It's not where we do it, we're saying this week, but the purpose for which we do it. God has placed you, has placed us together, and has invited us to, to live together in unity as his church so that as we live out our faith, the message that we project is one of one heart and one voice, the glory of God and the glory of his son Jesus. That's what we can do every day of our lives. That's pretty cool if you ask me. It's pretty remarkable, in fact, if you ask me. That as different as we are, God in his wisdom puts us together for a greater purpose. And is it also possible that we've seen today we need each other more than we'd care to admit? I've never been into music. I wasn't in I played, a, I forget, some kind of instrument or two, learned a few lessons in, in elementary school, but never really got into it like some of you have, never really sang, never been in the chorus or whatever. But music is actually pretty fascinating to me um, to listen to, particularly uh, certain groups. I, I, my favorite group 
for a while growing up was a group called Take Six. Do you remember Take Six? Does anybody know who Take Six is? Awesome. Well, don't I feel special. <laughs> Take Six was a group of six young men who uh, their whole album was a cappella. All the instruments that were on the album were their, the only instruments on the album were their voices. And it sounded like they actually had all sorts of instruments backing them up. Really remarkable Christian group. I should have like had a YouTube clip pulled up so you could hear them. And, and maybe just saying that, someone in the sound room is going, oh wait, that won't take me long to find. I'll look it up while he's talking and I'll play it for him in a minute. Is that at all possible? They had a song about David and Goliath. And I don't remember the name of it, but maybe that if you find that one, that would be good. Anyway, take six. Really remarkable. Uh, maybe, uh, let me do this. Pentatonics, have you heard of them? They've been kind of on Facebook over the le- last... That's one of their songs. <laughs> yes. Um, you, you have the, the guy, forget the, the sound room. We just need our little things down here on our, our hands. Anyway, pentatonics is there. And, and it's fascinating to me the, the harmonizing that some of these groups can do. Really amazing how, how their voices just blend so perfectly. And obviously from different uh, ranges of vocal ability. And, and in take six, since there was no instruments and pentatonics the same they kind of add those sorts of features to their music all of it just done with their voices so that it blends remarkably well any luck is that a yes or no or you're like why did i volunteer to be in the sound room today i think that's what that is anyway you know planning is a beautiful thing isn't it but, but, but harmonizing, and that, that's the picture that I think this verse is suggesting for us. That our lives can harmonize, particularly around the idea of the glory of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's kind of the, the uniting theme. That whatever is our niche, wherever we find ourselves, that God might put that together in a way that the resulting tune is remarkable for how it points to him and brings glory to him. And so that's our, our, our privilege to live out that way. One heart and one voice, we, we do that. And, and God needs to use us individually and uniquely. He needs all of our voices. He needs all of our hearts because each of us, uniquely gifted as we are, also uniquely and sovereignly placed as we are, and you have access to places I don't have. I've told you a lot of times, one of the crutches that are, I guess, cross, it's kind of a, a, a heavy word, but one of the things that's a privilege of being a pastor is when somebody finally gets around to asking you that question, so what do you do for a living? And you can hear the conversation come to a screeching halt. Everything changes in that minute. Even those, you know, my boss is a Jewish carpenter lines that some of us come up with and try to sneak it in there. I mean, I have a name like Rosenbaum, so maybe I could get away with it and they would buy that, but nonetheless. Um, 
you know, it's just like, ah, oh, you're, you're a preacher. And so there's certain, well, you have certain notions about preachers, don't you? Oh, we could have some fun and I could ask you to tell us what they are, but they would probably be too painful for me to recognize. So we'll just skip over that. You can keep your secrets. Nonetheless. So, so as a preacher, prof- working professionally in the church, as soon and, and being in this community uh, over 16 years, a lot of people know I'm a preacher, which is the other thing. So I can't sneak up on anybody anymore, you know. When I let somebody in front of me in the, the line at the grocery store, they're like, of course he is, he's a preacher, you know. When you do it, though, you know, you don't have that baggage with you or, or whatever. But, but my point is, the unique situation that I'm in also opens some doors for me that doesn't open doors for you. There are times when, because I'm a preacher, people seek me out, usually when something bad happens. You know, people that, that don't have a lot of interest, maybe in God or in church or whatever, Sometimes when that crisis comes, you know who they want to talk to. Might even call the church and ask to talk to a pastor. So I I get that access to them at times that maybe you don't. But the opposite is equally, if not more so true. You have access to places and people, and people will listen to you differently than they'll listen to me. Paul was an incredible evangelist, the one who started all those churches, pushed the boundaries of Christianity further than anybody else. And he said it, interestingly enough, um, a verse that maybe you're familiar with in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about what, as he thought about this pushing the message forward, he, he describes a little bit about how he sees that working. Beginning in verse 19, Paul says this, Though I am free... And belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. And then he lists some of the ways he does it. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Here Paul says, here's my story. I go and I seek and I push forward to try to somehow make inroads into people's lives that don't know God. And I look for points of commonality. If I'm talking to someone that's Jewish, he was a Jew, by the way. He was a well-educated Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was a leader in the Jewish faith. So that was sort of a natural hat for him to put on. It wasn't a, a difficult thing to become like a Jew. But he could speak the language of those who were Jewish. He could talk to them about how he experienced Judaism and how Jesus became for him the fulfillment of all of Judaism. And so when he was a Jew, he became like a Jew, to build that bridge of relationship so that they would listen to him and hopefully he would have the opportunity to win them to Christ. To those under the law, he became like those under the law. 
when he went maybe to their house and they were eating according to the law, according to kosher laws, of course he would eat according to that. He wouldn't say, you know what, I'd rather have a big old piece of ham, please. Not, not a cool way to sort of break the ice in a Jewish household that it was under kosher law. How about bacon on my burger? You know, that's not going to happen. He became, now, now he says, what did he say? I wasn't under the law. I, I'm, I'm free from that. That doesn't bind me anymore. But in that setting, though I'm free from it, I, I kind of reached back in there to try to build that bridge of relationship so that I could tell them the good news of God. When I was with those who weren't under the law, I became like that. Now, don't hear him say, you know, that, that he went and just went off crazy doing whatever to somehow relate to people that were doing all sorts of immoral things. No, I think that's not what he's saying. Rather, I think it's saying if he's there and among them and something come up that might be contrary to the Jewish law, he wouldn't make a big hairy honking deal out of that and say, oh, that's a problem. You're breaking God's law. How dare you? Because he says, look, I'm, I'm not free from the law, under the law of Christ. So he had constraints on him. But in those situations, he was willing to build that bridge to make that relationship work so that hopefully in some way he would have the opportunity to share God's love, God's grace, God's salvation with them. I became all things to all men, so by all possible means I might win some. And so when we look around this room and the the harmony that is in this room, the different voices, the different whatevers and the different wherevers that are represented by your lives and your relationships and your vocations and your places of business and the places where you live and the places where you go and the the different circles in which you run, in that vast difference of places, you are, in so many ways, what Paul is saying, becoming all things, all people. I can't be where you are. I don't have access to the things that you have access to. Some of you work in the school system. Wonderful. God bless you. I don't think I want to do that. I go to chapel for 20 minutes with the little kids in the daycare, and I can't wait to get out of there. We have our fun. We talk about God. We sing our songs. I'm like, okay, time for me to go. Jesus loves me. Bye. Just good. And I I hear down the hall all day long the, let's call them interactions between teacher and pupil. And it causes me to pray, thank you, God, that you called me to preach. Some of you are in the school system with teenagers, God help you. Some of you, what did we look at last week? Some of you are in law enforcement. I'm glad that's not my calling. In the world we live in and the things that we hear on the news and the stuff that happens in law enforcement, that's, that's a huge responsibility that you bear and a huge burden I'm sure your families feel that you bear. didn't make me that way but he made you that way put you there some of you what else we got i know real estate was one that came up now i have several real estate folks have to deal with strangers all the time that would be difficult for me glad i I just i have trouble with the people i know sometimes dealing with them much less complete strangers medical profession you got yucky stuff. 
That's the technical term. You know, nurses and, and doctors and, and, and others that work in, in that f- those fields. Remarkable uh, what, what you're able to do. Incredible the comfort and help you give to people in physical ways. It's not something I can do. And yet, no matter what those things are, no matter where we are placed in this big world that we live in, although we saw at the beginning it's very small in the grand scheme of things, God can use us uniquely in ways that he could use nobody else. And then overall, we become that harmonic meshing of one mind, of one heart, of one voice, all with the same message, all with the same goal, all with the same purpose, to glorify God wherever we go so that the name of Jesus may be lifted up. That's what you can do. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you're uniquely gifted and placed for that end. I I liked math, I think I've told you before, uh, as I grew up, and one of the things that fascinated me for a while when I was in high school was surveyors. Because surveying apparently is a wonderful math thing, right? You take your your instruments out and you start measuring distances and angles. And I know it's probably all computerized now and you just put them in some tablet or phone or whatever. But in in school, we had to do it by pencil and paper. And I thought that was a lot of fun to say, here's some points, and here's the distance between them, and you get one angle, and I'm supposed to tell you exactly what you need. I know, I have a weird idea of fun. I like football, too. That's normal. No. It was just great. And, and you, uh, I think one of the words is triangulation, right? Where you take those data points, you take those angles, and you figure out the specifics of what needs to be figured out for me on a math test, but for some who are in that vocation, for, for placement of, of roadways or buildings or whatever the case may be. Those are very important things that have to be done and, and technical things that have to be done. Here's the thing that I wonder is if we couldn't use that idea of triangulation and say, it, does God maybe use us to triangulate people to him? Anybody ever been to the dentist? Why do they want to talk to you when they've got your mouth full? Pretend that your dentist, I'm going to use this phrase, and I don't mean it negatively, although some people do, is a devout Jesus freak. Meaning every time you go, every time you talk to this person, Jesus is going to come out. Not that that's bad. My preacher has to be good, right? But you know that personality, right? Every chance you get, they're going to tell you about Christ. And this person has the advantage of your mouth full and sharp instruments poking in your mouth to tell you about Jesus and encourage you to come to salvation, right? Very effective evangelism tool. But let's just pretend somebody is in the dentist chair and their dental hygienist or their dentist is a believer and is very vocal about their faith. And whenever somebody's in that chair, they're going to hear about how important this person is, and, and, and the person in the chair, maybe it's you or somebody you know, they are far from God. They have no interest in God. Nothing that, that God has ever done seems wise to them or, 
or loving to them. They have all sorts of reasons that they don't have any use for God. And yet here they are in this chair and this hygienist or this dentist is working on them and they have to hear about this. And maybe they leave that place thinking that was just odd and unbearable and I hope I don't have to come back here for a really long time. Then they go and a week or two or whatever later, they're traveling somewhere and they get on an airplane and some of you who fly on airplanes uh, know that usually you have that seatmate that's awfully close because airplanes aren't known for their roomy cabins. You know, you're kind of squashed in there together if you're in, in a coach or maybe business class, a little more elbow room, first class, God bless you. Um, but you're in there and you're next to, and so you're going to strike up a conversation because you're, you're like right there. You're right up next to them the whole time. And, and, and fortunately for you, this person is remarkably sane because that's your fear. You're going to sit next to just who knows what kind of a person and they're going to just, I don't know what on this airplane, but this person is just a, a good person. You have some of the same interests. The conversation is natural. It's a wonderful time that you're having. You're thinking this flight is going to actually be bearable. You're laughing at some of the same things. You're enjoying conversation. You know, things, you know, it's a longer flight. So as, as that initial kind of get to know you time is over and as the flight is going on maybe you're both settling into your routines and and you're just maybe thinking well I'm really glad I got to sit by this guy rather than in that dentist chair and about that time this person next to you pulls out their bible and starts reading you're like hmm, that's interesting thought they were normal that seemed like a good guy bible that's didn't see that one coming so on, so forth. Life goes on. And a few days later, a few weeks later, a few months later, they're watching sports because sometimes we watch sports. And maybe it's a, a, an after the game and your team won or your team lost or maybe it's just the highlights. It's Sports Center. You're watching them and, and they interview an athlete. And, and this athlete who, who you respect and who has some remarkable accomplishments on the field and, and seems to be uh, together because sometimes athletes in our world aren't together. They're just like living crazy lives with this individual seems together and you know, maybe you know a little bit about his history his family or whatever and he's a pretty good guy and you want to hear what he has to say and somewhere along the way in that interview this athlete who you've never met but you still look up to and seems pretty pretty normal begins to talk about somewhere along the line his faith and a small part it plays understanding that sports is just sports but there's this big part of my life that matters a whole lot and here's what i want to tell you about about God, about Jesus, and the like. Oh, that's kind of neat. And, you know, life goes on in a few days, a few weeks, a few months go by, and you're hanging out with one of your friends, and maybe it's the holidays, maybe it's Thanksgiving. Let's just pretend it's Thanksgiving. Can you get in that mode today? It's Thanksgiving, and family's coming over, and you're, you're with one of your, your friends because, you know, don't have anything better to do, and there's some time off from work, and, and you find out his brother is coming into town one of his siblings is coming into town you're going to hang out together with he and, and his brother and that sounds cool because you know you really like this guy and his brother comes in well you know brother's a m remarkable guy uh just as good as the one you know and and seems to be normal and then somewhere along the way in that hour or two hours or three hours or however long it takes you to eat turkey this guy who you've never met until he walked in because you're friends with his brother begins to tell you about something that happened to him a few years ago and and how life was just out of control and, and he didn't understand, and, and then somehow he met this guy who told him about Jesus, and, and he came to faith in Christ, and you won't believe the difference 
faith in Christ made in his life and the change that came over him because somewhere along the line, he was willing to admit he couldn't handle what he thought he could handle. He had to give up and trust that there was a God who was bigger than him, who loved him, who sent his son. And now this guy who found himself in a dentist chair in an airplane or watching a TV show or eating turkey, the data points are starting to line up and the angles are starting to come together. And he's beginning to hear from all sorts of places and from all sorts of people the same message. That there is a God who loves you enough to send his son Jesus. And if you'll place your faith in this Jesus, he'll make the hugest difference in your life. You can imagine that that there's not only forgiveness. That's pretty good. But there are some practical things that these people have experienced because they placed their faith in Jesus. And he 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 may be healed or or delivered or whatever the case may be. And so this person who just lived life, the harmony of God's people around him triangulated him right in that spot that he didn't mean to be in, but because that person worked in that office and because that person got assigned that seat on that plane and because that athlete happened to make a good play that day and because that holiday he didn't have any place better to go and he could be there with his friends, somehow all of that, God got to him. And so with one heart and one voice, the church of God with the same message All of that, because who we are in the whatevers of our life and in the wherevers of our life did it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for the glory of God and his son. Who's ready for Tuesday? You know, because Tuesday's just a normal day. It's just a day of the week. It's not Monday, which is a bad day, and it's not Friday, which is an amazing day, because it's almost Saturday. It's just Tuesday. It's like early in the week, and a lot of week is left. And it's not even Tuesday of Thanksgiving week, because Tuesday of Thanksgiving week is more like Thursday than it is Tuesday, because you don't go to work on <laughs> Thursday. So Wednesday is really Friday. I'm talking about just Tuesday. Like just Tuesday, a regular old Tuesday. When you go into your office, when you go into that grocery store, when you sit down in that waiting room, could God be triangulating? Could God be placing you next to that person or in line behind that person? Or in the desk across from that person. So that somehow they might hear this one voice of God's people. See, we can't, I had to learn this the hard way. We can't argue or, or, or convince anybody to become a Christian. I've tried. 
I learned all those logical things and all those presentations. I'm like, oh, I, I can just, I can out-talk you. Actually, I'm not much of a talker. Um, I can out-logic you to Jesus. You know, it doesn't really work that way. Not to me. To somehow convince somebody or win somebody. You know what's up to me to do? Be who I am. Where I am. For the singular purpose. Of the glory of God. And if all of us are who we are, where we are, for the singular purpose of the glory of God, we can allow God to do what only he can do and bring people to himself. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you made us all different. Unique. but also for a purpose. God, that you gave us interests and abilities, passions even, and then placed us in the particular settings in which we are able to use those for your glory. Lord, may we be the, the kind of people who, who live that way for that purpose, for that end. And Lord, I pray today that if there's someone in this building that maybe has been triangulated by this circumstance or by that acquaintance or by this other experience that Lord today they've seen in all of those encounters you working and they've heard in all of those encounters the same message the glory of God you tell us if Jesus you said if you be lifted up you will draw all people to yourself. And we know you, as you went on to say, you, you said that to show the manner of death that was coming, that, that you were talking about your crucifixion. But Lord, we also know that in that was the greatest display of love ever in history. A love that makes possible the salvation of the world. And Lord, if there's someone here today that needs to turn to you in faith to ask for your forgiveness and to trust you as Lord and Savior. I pray today would be a life-changing moment for them, an eternity-changing moment. Lord, thank you for all you have done for us. And thank you that you use us in your greater purposes. Pray you have your way now in this time of response. In Jesus' name, amen.